everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Fitness Candor Podcast. I'm joined today with personal fitness trainer and a men's physique competitor, Chris DeLeon. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm good, Eric. How you doing? Not too bad at all. Thanks for taking the time out. I know you're. I know you just got done training, so you're probably smoked. But let's, you know, let's try <laughs> to get some good information out there. Um, I came across Chris through an article that is in the Criterion, which is um, com. actually. It's the Colorado Mesa University student publication, and it was it was a section called Trainer Talk, and it was, uh, it was titled Trainer Talk, Lift Weight to Lose Weight. And obviously that's a, a big thing that I try to drive home with clients and people who talk to me is that the only, you know, not, not cardio isn't the only way. Um, it, strength training goes a long way. Lifting weights goes a long way. It's actually probably the, the, the greater bang for your buck because you continue to burn calories after you're, you're done um, strength training. Whereas doing cardio, as soon as your heart rate goes down, you're pretty much done burning calories. So uh, anyway, that sparked up my, my interest, and I contacted him right away. He got back to me, and here we are. So... Chris, tell us a little bit about your background because it's definitely an interesting one. I like how you have a different perspective. Like we talked about before the call, your perspective is very unique, and it's one that is very hard for me because I don't have – I didn't come from the same background as you. So uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and how you got into personal training. Okay. Um, yeah, like I told you before, I had grown up being very fit and very athletic, but – uh, life happens, and so once I got into my 20s, uh, I kept eating uh, just as much as if I was really pushing hard on, on getting them gains, but I wasn't working out anymore. So uh, all that food over time actually turned into an addiction because I was having a very, very hard time and depressed time in my own personal life, and it became the only thing that I could do for my comfort was to just keep eating and keep eating. And there was never any leftovers because I was finished everything that was made in one sitting. And I didn't even realize what was going on until one time I went on a vacation. And when I went on vacation, there was pictures that were taken of me laying on the beach of San Diego. And when I got the pictures back, it was finally like I had this epiphany, this eye-opening experience uh, where I realized that I had, I had slipped. I hadn't just gotten overweight. I had gotten obese. Uh, to the point that I felt like there should have been a harpoon hanging out of me while I was laying there on the beach. And it was it was mortifying to realize just how far I'd slipped. And from that moment that I noticed and realized what had happened, every time I looked in the mirror, I was just horribly depressed. And it, it, it got to the point I didn't even want to live anymore. But unfortunately, what I kept doing was eating. So finally I decided I had to do something different. I had to make a change in my life to get back to, to try to be healthy again. And I thought, well, I used to be athletic. I'll just go across the street to where there's a track firehouse, and I'll, I'll slowly jog a mile. But it became even more eye-opening to me when I tried to do that because I wasn't even able to get one lap around that track. I couldn't even make it a quarter mile before I was doubled over. I was gasping for air. Everything hurt, and I just I went home in tears because I could not believe just how pathetic I had become in my eyes based off of what I used to be, and I was no longer there anymore. But at that point in time, I had, I had a real hard time because 
there was a big part of me that said, give up. Just, just embrace what you've become. You'll, you'll die by the time you're 35 of some sort of heart attack and it's just over. Game over. There's no point in even going anymore. But I didn't want to listen to that side of my voice because, you know, I had a thought and I wanted to, to push hard. I wanted to be healthy for her. So I, I, I set my jaw and I thought, I, you know, I just gave myself all kinds of self-talk. Like, no, you can do this. And so I started pushing myself slowly over and over and doing research and trying to find out the best ways of, of changing my body composition. Now, one of the problems is that a lot of what I relied upon was bro science. And that doesn't really get you anywhere because bro science only, only contributes toward injury. Um, and, and I got it. I, I got injured. I ended up with calcified bursitis in my right shoulder. And it seemed like everything was, even though I was making progress and slowly, at the same time, I was just encountering all kinds of speed bumps with injuries here and there. And muscle and fitness and other art or magazines like that. I don't know how you should have named them on your, on your podcast, but basically. Yeah, you know, you're fine. I bash them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. A lot of those magazines, they, they just, it's still bro science. They just throw out a bunch of crap that doesn't have any scientific foundations to it. And so right. it, it was very difficult for me to sluggishly, slowly pull myself out of this. But the more I realized, okay, reading these articles and changing up my workout every couple of weeks isn't doing it for me, that's when I really started developing more more of a sound research basis, like, okay, I need to find out what the real science is on this. And and so I started pushing myself. I started developing more. And one of the things, uh, I told you about this before, uh, that really helped me was when I joined the military, uh, all of a sudden I had a physical standard that I had to to match. And they, <laughs> drill sergeants are really good at motivating somebody and pushing them beyond what they think their limits are. And so I was finally able to shed those last last few stubborn pounds. I was finally able to meet the physical standards that the military required of me. And then as I as I progressed further, uh, I, I get soldiers underneath me. And then I had to get them to pass their physical fitness requirements. And that's not easy. It's really hard to motivate yourself when you don't really feel like it. It's even harder to motivate other people that don't feel like it. You know, they, 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 just, they didn't want to, but I, I pushed them. I found ways to motivate them, found ways of trying to make it fun for them. And, uh, and recently when I was overseas, uh, on my last tour, I had the, the fun little feather in my cap, the distinction of having all of my soldiers pass the physical fitness test and nobody else in the company could say that. So that was, that was pretty awesome for me. Oh, and wow. it, it really was, was like my driving motivation from that point in time, like, Hey, I took these guys that only wanted to sit around and eat pizza. They didn't even want to make a change in their lives. And I was able to get them to do it. So in addition to, to pushing myself and pursuing my own goals, I that's when I got the drive to become a personal trainer, get certified, and start sharing my knowledge, not just with other soldiers, but with anybody who wanted to make that change, anybody who was, who had gotten to that point that I had been at where they're just depressed and horrified to even look at themselves anymore and were on the point of giving up, I wanted to, to be able to inspire them, to motivate them and show them that the only thing standing between them and their goals 
was them, that everything else is just background noise and, and really inform them and teach them and motivate them to get to where they where they could be happy with themselves. That's that's pretty amazing. I mean, the fact that you came, you recognize where you were at a certain stage in your life, and, you know, I think uh, you didn't say it directly, but in a roundabout way, you, it took time. It took time and energy and effort, and I'm sure along the way you had your doubts, and it wasn't fun still, and you still wanted to give up. But <laughs> I think I think the pushing and pushing yourself and trying to learn, I mean, I think – most people who get into um, – I shouldn't say most people. Some people that get into wanting to become a personal trainer probably learn from that bro science attitude. You know, not everybody goes to school for it. Not everybody has, like, the ultimate badass mentor that, you know, is, an, is a great researcher or something like that. But right. um, you have the drive to want to change yourself, and you really want to know the, the best options, then I think you went about it the right way. Um you mentioned so you mentioned some military physical standards that you had to pass and your company had to pass. Tell us a little bit more about physical standards because I'm not sure many of my listeners might know what those standards are. Okay, well uh, there's there's a test that is uh, administered twice a year. Once is a diagnostic, and the other time it's it's for record. And the for record one is the one that's super important. If you don't pass that, you could uh, you could end up even kicked out of the military. Um, and that largely depends on your chain of command. But there's three main events that are part of that test for the Army. Now, they vary from branch to branch. Uh, but for the Army, uh, it starts out with two minutes of push-ups. And there's a – I can't tell you off the top of my head um, what the total number of push-ups that you have to get is, but it, it also varies by, by age group. So fortunately right. for me, I actually wouldn't have to do that many uh, to pass because at my age, I'm 36. Um, I, I, by the time I knock out 40 push-ups, I'm good to go. But I've, uh, I've also become a little bit stubborn in my old age. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not happy with passing. I want to max. So to max, I have to do 75 push-ups straight and you can't take a break, um, beyond, you know, arching your back for a little bit. But, you know, if your knees touch the ground, if your hands come off the ground, you're done, and you're just stuck with whatever you, you've achieved in that amount of time. Okay. After that, you move on to sit-ups, uh, and you have to do as many sit-ups as possible within a two-minute time frame. And, and again, for maxing, it's, uh, it's in the 70s, again, for my age group. Um, the, the younger you are, obviously, the more it takes to pass, but it's actually easier to max. <laughs> and that never really made much sense to me. But after you've already worn yourself out with push-ups and sit-ups, then you have two miles to run, and you only have a certain amount of time to do it. So especially if you're if you're a young man, if you're um, late teens, early twenties, if you're not able to run an eight-minute mile, you're you're kind of in trouble, and and you might not pass. Again, fortunately, as an older man. I have 17 minutes to run two miles, which now seems like an eternity. But I can tell you from experience that when I when I joined, I told you I, I still was I wasn't in the shape that I'm in now. So when I joined, right. 17 minutes seems uh, like an impossible goal to get myself down to. Of course, 
I had less time then because I was younger then. Um, but yeah, I think my first couple of, of two mile runs, I was in the twenties in, in, in minutes for how long it took me to to cross that finish line, panting and feeling like I was going to die. Uh, now the last time I ran it, which was fortunately my last time ever as a soldier, um, I wasn't even trying. I wasn't even pushing myself as hard as I could. And I still crossed the finish line shortly after 14 minutes. How did you, how did you become the person that, uh, was to help everybody else in your group, after lack of better terms, pardon me, uh, <laughs> pass the standards? Um, well, I don't believe personally that, uh, just a regular PT program, uh, that, that is put out there is, is really designed to, to help soldiers, uh, push themselves if you're already fit, then you'll be fine. But if you're not, then you have to push harder and you're not going to be able to make it. Oh, and uh, I forgot to tell you, uh, one other aspect of, of passing that test is there's – even if you pass all the events, you, there's still a height-weight uh, right. test that's done on you. So if you're, if you're overweight, then you have to get taped with the tape measure. And if you fail that, then you're still flagged because you still have to maintain a, a certain physique on top of that. But anyway, um, back to answering your question. Um, as as a team leader, uh, I just had soldiers that were, were placed underneath me, and I was also the alternate squad leader when we were deployed, which meant that any time our squad leader was, was gone, then I inherited the entire squad versus just my team. And because of that, uh, our squad leader just told me that I was responsible for everybody's fitness uh, in the entire squad, and that's just my team. No pressure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? And, uh, and, and basically what he told me was that not only was I responsible for making sure that, that everybody passed, but if anybody failed, I was going to get smoked alongside them. You know, so... So it wasn't just that that I, I had that motivation to try to help them, but it did mean that there was going to be a lot of extra PT, a lot of extra sweat and pain that I was going to be put through. And, and, you know, it's just the way the Army works, so it wasn't like it was unfair or surprising, but it certainly did give me that extra level of motivation to try to find a way to motivate them. That kind of leads me into um, a little bit of your – your emotional knowledge because going through all of this before you became a soldier and then you helped other people and I'm sure not everybody um, in your group that you were in charge of helping pass those those standards I'm sure not all of them were in the best physical shape and so they probably automatically thought well I'm screwed I'm out of it there's no way I'm going to be able to do this and that's a big mo- emotional uh, factor right and you're probably oh, doing yeah. that with some of your your clients as as I do some of your clients kind of struggle emotionally which probably can that can impact a person's physical well-being way more um, than anything else. I mean, your emotions oh, take over, and that's where, like, the dependency of food comes in, stress levels come in, you know, you're probably not sleeping as, as good. So how did you implement what you already knew? Well, that was really difficult because even though I had come from a worse condition than even my worst soldier that I had to worry about, you know, it's it's not always easy to to get them to believe 
that you know where they're they're coming from. And uh-huh. and it was it was important to me that they understood that I knew how hard it is to get over addictions to food. That I knew how hard it is to find that motivation to push yourself for yourself. And and so it's it's it was really hard. That was that was the biggest barrier for me was convincing them that I did know what they were feeling, that I did know what it was like, and that it was not easy, and that there was there was deep-seated emotional issues that go along with that. So that that was the hardest part for me. But but you know sometimes when you when you sit down with somebody and you have that genuine heart to heart and they can hear the inflection in your voice, they can see the the, the truth in your eyes and 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 even just the, the pain. That resonates. I mean, even as I'm talking about it now, I'm getting a little choked up just because I know, yeah. I know how awful it is. And, and that, that is really what helps me to connect or, you know, not only with the soldiers that I had to make sure that they passed, but even clients now. When I sit right. there and I, and I tell them and they, they can see the emotion come up and they know that I'm not just, just making crap up, that I'm not just doing like, hey, Oh yeah, yeah, I used to be fat too, but hey, look at me now. You know, I, I, I want to make sure that they understand that I know the struggle and I know that it's so much more than physical. That there's, there's emotion and there's, there's the mental that goes into it. And you have to combine all three of those in order to Definitely. truly make that progress. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. It did a big combination over time, right? Because obviously it's not going to happen after one appointment. It's, Oh, no. It really is. It's a life. It's a lifelong uh, journey, and sometimes a battle, and it's going to feel like an uphill battle. But the right support is definitely huge, and it sounds like um, you know, it sounds like your clients definitely have that. Uh, I, I try to. I try to. I, I always tell them that I will give them as much as they give me. So I yeah. tell them even yeah. even in their off time, when we're not scheduled, if they have anything that they need to talk to me about, even if it's even if they just need me to talk them down from whatever emotions they're going through. I tell them, if I'm not busy training, then I, you have all of me. Your background um, is, is a little different than what I'm, what I'm used to. So I, I don't train myself in a, um, like a men's physique competitor style, I guess. Uh, I don't train clients that way. To tell you the truth, if someone came to me and they said, hey, I, this is what I want to do, I'd have no idea where to start. Um, <laughs> So, yeah. so that's a whole other animal, kind of, right? Exactly. Could you kind of break that down? Because I'm sure you know. I don't know how many of your your clients come to you and say, "Hey, I want to be a men's physique competitor or a female physique competitor." But I imagine it's probably not that many. How would you go about something like that? And what's the opposite side of that look like for you? Um. Well, first of all, I, I probably have a real hard time wanting to get them there. Um, and and, and I'll, I'll get a little bit further into that uh, in, in just a moment. I mean, it's, I, I do have, I do have clients that uh, come and they, you know, they've seen my model photos. Uh, they, they've seen pictures of me up on the stage. And so they have this, this glamorized image uh, of it all. And, and so I have had them tell me, not that they want to compete, but I have had them tell me, I want to look like you. The first thing that I make sure all of them know is that when I'm when I'm in in competition form and when I'm in 
in, in the photo shoot form, that is not a sustainable model. I try to make sure that they understand that right from the get-go, that you cannot survive being at that low of a body fat percentage and be healthy. I tell them that's right. that's very temporary. I get myself down there. I compete. I do the shoots. And then I get myself back to a healthy, maintainable standard. Now, it's still low body fat percentage. You know, I I, I never never get high on that anymore. I monitor myself very closely and still try to maintain a, a very, very specific physical standard. I think I have a professional obligation to do so. Um, but I, I try to make sure that they understand that even though I really want to help them achieve as much as they can, that I don't want to get them unhealthy, that I want to I want to focus on getting them healthy. And it, honestly, the biggest reason why I do the competitions and why I do the shoots is to inspire people to want to make a change. But I don't want to inspire them to um, to think that that, that is, is a sustainable model. So the very first thing that I, I focus on is just educating them. Like, I can get you low and I can get you looking good. But if you're gonna if you're gonna go to that step, it's it's gonna be a, a little bit further than than yeah. really what what yeah. I want to push people to. As soon as they decide that that's what they want to live as every day, then that can turn into eating disorders on the opposite end, you know. And, and sure. obviously that's not what I want to do. If somebody wanted me to train them to compete, I would, uh, just so long and I, I, it's just not happened. Nobody's asked me to train them to get to that level uh, yet. Um, I would. I would train them. And, and I would have them basically do exactly what I do uh, to get there. But I'd also emphasize several times over that the, the super low body fat percentage uh, would only be for a very temporary time. The, uh, I think another unique perspective of that, too, and, again, I – I've never trained to do that. I don't train people to do that, but my uh, my expertise is more along the lines of just basic strength training for active, healthy adults, and I'm sure you do a lot of the same thing and uh, train some athletes also, which is a little different, but uh, it takes a certain mind frame to do that, to go through that, not just the training, but your off days, I'm sure, with meal preparations and water and hydration <laughs> yeah. and all of that stuff, and I, again, I, this is coming from an absolute, I don't know anything about that world, uh, and this is just like from my knowledge, what do you, when you decide to go into that mode, let's say you have a photo shoot coming up, you accept it, okay, I'm doing this, what's like day one look like for you? Um, day one, as soon as, I'm, as soon as I lock myself into that, day one means all sugars are gone. Um, anything processed, gone. Uh, any simple carbs, gone. Now, I don't do the fad diets because, in my mind, that's just stupid. Um, so yeah. I still try to maintain balance. But, you know, calorie deficit goes down quite a bit. It's just, just barely just enough to where I'm not going to pass out uh, during my workouts. And, and it does slowly go down. You know, so day one is going to be a bigger deficit um, than normal, and then, like, the next week, it's going to be a lower deficit still, and so on and so forth, until, you know, right right, right before competition, 
that's where I'm eating next to nothing. But I've also kind of conditioned myself slowly over time uh, to get down wow. to that. But I still, still even then, even even toward the end, I try to maintain a very specific balance. I try to keep myself where I'm still taking in like 50% of my diet in carbohydrates, but all all whole grains, uh, greens, uh, you know, good good healthy choice carbohydrates. And, and making sure even even the greens are are fresh, making sure that they're organic, so there's none of the, the pesticide issues that can get in the way. And it's not because I'm I'm uh, you know a, a hippie or anything. It's it's just because of <laughs> the, the science <laughs> of, of what it not can do to your body. Not that there's anything wrong with hippies. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I wasn't saying that there was. But sometimes when I say that, people <laughs> think, oh, you know, he he must want to dance around and, and hug trees. And I'm like, you know, right. I mean. <laughs> That, that sounds like fun, but it's, it's just you know, not my motivation for why I do it. It's so interesting, like the transformation, you know, the mental preparation you go into that before any of the physical happens. So go ahead. Go, what were we going to say? No, I was going to say, I also, um, while, while I'm talking about balance, you know, like I said, 50% carbohydrates, but also on the other end, um, the other 50% is, is very lean protein uh, in about the 25% part of my diet and then the other 25% is fat. It's just it's the healthy fats. It's um, yep. you know monounsaturated fats, polyunsaturated fats, staying away from saturated fats as much as possible um, and especially even with the protein that can that can be difficult by going super lean on everything and and heavily monitoring it all. You know sitting there calculating out all the macronutrients um and, and how many calories are in each carbohydrate, how many calories are in each protein, how many half calories are in each fat, and making sure that everything is logged down and kept perfect. I even, I even have timers that go off for exactly when to eat. And wow. you know, open up my container, eat exactly what I'm supposed to eat, weight out to the ounce, you know, and then carry on about my day. Oh, and my Holy it's, cow. It's weird. It, it takes a little bit of getting used to, but yeah. at the same time, to me, it's worth it um, because I, I went I went from being that person that was about ready to just give up on life because of how obese I had become to being able to step onto the stage and be confident, like I belong there. You know, so so I was afraid the first time that I'd see that fat guy, there was like, what is he doing? But no, you know, when you step on the stage and the audience loses their minds with applause at, at what you're doing, it's 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 addictive. I'll be honest. You know, I uh, I kind of live for it a little bit, but yeah, but more more than what it does for me, uh, I still I still feel a strong obligation. Uh, to push myself to to try to achieve such good standards, uh, because again, I want to inspire other people, and and yeah. so I want to show them that it's possible to do anything, anything in life, not just lose weight, not just get healthy, but to to pick a goal, to pursue it, and know that you can attain it if you want it bad enough. Right, and there's a, there's a step along the way for every single thing you have to do. To get to where oh, yeah. you want to be, I mean, there's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 
don't you don't go from being no. obese one day to to no. competing the next. No, but there's but there's a process to that. Once you make that decision, then it's just about setting the process. And so, speak a little bit about mental cues that you use for yourself. How does that translate into how you would talk to a client with uh, introducing different types of foods and trying to change their nutrition? Or do you do you kind of stay away from that that area? Like I, I tend um, to stay away from getting specifics, <laughs> but. Yeah, yeah. I, I give them the general guidelines, but, you know, I'm not a registered dietitian. And right. so that, that would start to be getting beyond my scope of practice. And right. I, I don't want to do that. So I, I, I give them the general overview, but I always tell them very strongly that if they have, uh, any, any concerns or, or wanting to know, like, exactly how many calories they should be taking in during a day, um, exactly how it should be split up that they, they need to talk to a registered dietitian. Somebody who has gone through the schooling specifically for giving out that information because, uh, you know, that, that would be where I'd be treading into liability. And I, I want to help sure. people, absolutely, but I, I certainly don't want to, um, you know, you gotta protect yourself. <laughs> so Definitely. I don't want to yeah. put anything, uh, uh, for myself on the line by, by delving too much into the weeds on that so much as just giving a general overview of it. But at the same time, I do find it very important to make sure that all of my clients not only understand what to do, but why they do it. It's very important to me to have have well-educated clients. I want them to know the science behind everything so that even when they stop coming to see me, they can keep going and progressing in their lives because I've already given them that knowledge base and shown them how to get more knowledge on their own. Especially on the on the nutrition side because that's something that is it's a part of excuse me, a part of every single person's life they eat. You know, every person that you know has to eat. Not everybody that you meet is gonna exercise or gonna work out. But that is such a huge component of just everyday life. So if someone stops training oh, yeah. and they can pick up they can pick up those those few tidbits and they can carry on and they want to learn more about it and I mean that's uh that's invaluable, I think, for sure. And I think that's one of for me, uh, that's one of the hardest things because there's I mean, this is kind of a dumb thing to say, but since everybody is so different, the and everybody leads such a different lifestyle, trying to talk to so many different people about um, you know, what are good options on the road, what are good options when you're at home and your kids right. don't eat the same things. You know, it's just like the different levels of lifestyle alone is so difficult. And so to find like a, a one-size-fits-all for especially nutrition. <laughs> you can't do it for nutrition. You can't do it for training either. You know, and, no, and you, said, you said maybe it is a no-duh thing. But, you know, that, that's, that's coming from you and that's coming from me. We know that. A lot of people right. don't realize it. They think that that you can just pull out a, a cookie-cutter program and be like, boom, this will work for you. That's you know, true. That's that easy. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah, there is no cookie-cutter program for anybody. Um, and you're right. The training side is exactly the same way. There's no cookie-cutter. I mean, everybody has the, the, the same muscle groups and in terms of, like, the way they function, but then you're dealing with injury, you're dealing with body type, you're dealing with genetics, so not, oh, one, yeah. not one program. So somebody walks up to you, and you know this, somebody says, give me your exact program. Well, <laughs> you know, 
you know, depending on your body type, depending on age, depending on a lot of other different factors, there's it's pretty, it probably gets you a lot better shape than what you were starting out, but you're probably not going to be stage ready. And like I said, I don't know anything about that world. I if if someone like you came to me and said, "Hey, I want to do this," I'd be like, uh, "What?" <laughs> but uh, but I mean, it's, it's your story is was super unique right off the bat when we first talked, and I'm glad you got to share it with everybody because there's, you know, as much as I want to tell people, hey, I understand where you're coming from. I mean, the the plain the the fact is, I I can't say that if I'm talking to someone who is who is you know very obese, I can't say I know exactly where you're coming from. I've never been there, and I've never struggled with all the things that they struggle with, but I do know how I can help. And it, right. it takes a team, it takes a team effort though. That's why we do have the dietitians. That's why there are trainers. That's why there are, uh, you know, psychologists and all these other places and, and people in place. And, um, even though sometimes personal trainers might seem like psychologists, you know, we're definitely <laughs> not, but, yeah. but it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean we don't know how to listen and we don't want to listen because I do want to hear how people struggle. I'm sure you do right. too. I do want to hear. Oh, yeah. I want you know. I I want to be an outlet, absolutely. But I gotta be. But we have to be honest with people, and really open up uh, ourselves and tell them what we do understand, what we don't understand, what we do know, what we don't know, and then what we will find out. And that's very important. I'm glad you brought that up. I think too many trainers these days don't admit what they don't know. Oh yeah, definitely. So they make it up. You know, I I have no problem telling people I'll need to get back to you on that yep. because the last thing in the world I want to do is just pull something out of my butt that sounds good, and I'm thinking, well, that's probably right, but what if it's not? You know, and and, and that goes back to to the article that that uh, got your attention and got your uh, to contact me in the first place. You know, a lot of people might say, oh, you want to lose weight? Just do a ton of cardio. Right. And, and that's not really the answer. I mean, yeah, cardio is important. Right. But, but there's so much benefit that can come from, from the weight training and doing high intensity interval training and cardio instead of just steady state. You know, so it's all these all these little scientific principles that if you don't know and somebody wants to know, the best way to to proceed, the best way to raise their their endurance levels, to boost their metabolism for an extended period of time. I mean, if if you don't know, you need to you need to find out, and you need to give them yeah. the best information. Definitely, and I've heard it I've heard too many times too where a trainer will just say, "I I guarantee this will happen. I I oh know this will happen." <laughs> You can't give anybody guarantees. I guarantee right. you are. I mean, that, that's like a cardinal sin for a trainer to say. But they want they they want to say that because they think that's what the that's what the client wants to hear. I mean, that you know, okay, I'm gonna I'll pay you. I'm gonna show up, and if I don't get exactly what you say every single time, you know, if I don't look a certain way by X date, guess whose fault it is? It's the right. trainer's fault. Just because you don't want to step back and explain to them, here's where you are, here's what's most important right now, here's what we're going to do, here's the plan. And if someone comes up to you and says, hey, how can, you know, what kind of cardio should I be doing? 
Should I be doing interval? Should I be doing steady state? And if you if you can't honestly say, I don't know, I'll get back to you, I'll research. I mean, I had this conversation with someone on the podcast the other day. By you going and researching something, it makes you more valuable to that person. And Absolutely. you and you get to learn something new. So that's even more value. I mean, it's yeah, a win-win Because then that's valuable so, to everybody else. Exactly. I mean, you're going to share it with people. Hey, this is what I found. You know, not want to tell this client that. Or, hey, I overheard this. This is this is where you can go find some credible credible resources and research. It, it doesn't have to be this, this uh, look at me, I'm big, bad Mr. Trainer, and uh, I know it all. That's why you're here, and shut up and listen to me. It doesn't have to right. be that way. I mean, obviously, we're, we're being sought out because we're experts. That's, yes, 100%, that's right. But every expert in the field has an obligation to continue their education. And if you're not, and if you're a trader out there and you don't read and you don't look at publications, then you're, do, you're doing a disservice for uh, your clients, and especially yourself in your career. So that's a little thing. Oh, yeah. And, it, but, you know, you can even forget the things you knew if you're not staying on top yeah. of it. So you need to right. you need to keep on top of your, your information that you already have. And there's always new information coming out. There's always new studies that are being done. If you're not if you're not progressing, if you're not staying on top of that, you're falling behind and you're just dragging the whole industry down. Yeah, I couldn't say it better myself. Mic drop on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey hey Chris, uh you know, I, I know I know you've had a long day and uh I'm sure you're wanting to get some rest, so we'll go ahead and wrap this up, but I just wanted to take the time to, to say thanks. I appreciate it and um, you know, any knowledge is good knowledge. So what you what you said here today was I know was straight from the heart and a lot of people are gonna be able to appreciate that. Thanks for taking the time to, to talk to us, man. Well, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. All right, we'll talk to you later, Chris. All right, take care. <laughs>